the end of an era in Columbus as they will be looking for a new general manager for the first time in 11 seasons. We're looking today on Locked on Blue Jackets at Yannick Kekalainen's career highlights, his lowlights, his midlights, and we try and figure out just how good was Yannick Kekalainen in Columbus. Your Locked on Blue Jackets, your daily podcast on the Columbus Blue Jackets, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Blue Jackets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am, as always, your host, Jay Foster, here to give you the good, the bad, and the ugly of your favorite team and mine, the Columbus Blue Jackets. Before we get started, I want to thank everyone for making this your first listen of the day every single day. Locked On Blue Jackets is free and available on all podcast platforms and over on YouTube. We are also on SiriusXM, uh, as is the game tomorrow night uh, at 10 p.m. Eastern. Catch every goal of the Jackets hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Blue Jackets. So this is not the episode that I was planning to record. Uh, I had a whole prospect thing and I was going to maybe talk a little bit about tomorrow's game against the Sharks. But uh, instead of of any of that, we're going to be talking all about Yamaka Kleinen today. uh, Fired yesterday by John Davidson, by the ownership group um, in what seemed like a move that has been coming for a long time, honestly. Um, it, it, it comes out uh, that John Davison was having some health issues, so they didn't want to do anything until he got back. But uh, Mike Priest, the uh, who runs the business side of the organization, has been putting together a list of general managers. So uh, now that everyone is back and everyone is healthy, it was time for time for Kleinen to go and. It's going to be tough to try and put Yamaka Kalainen's entire career into, you know, one 28-minute episode. But, hey, we will do our best here. Um, we're going to start off with the good of Yamaka Kalainen's uh, career because I think there's a lot of, and myself included, I've been guilty of this, of recency bias in terms of what Yamaka Kalainen has actually done for this team. And I think when you look at his tenure as a whole, there is a lot of good in there. It's just very recently, it feels like there's been more bad than good. So again, it makes sense as to why it was time to move on. Um, by the way, there were only two NHL GMs that were longer tenured than Yamaka Kleinen, uh, Doug Armstrong in St. Louis, and Kevin Dayoff in Winnipeg. Everyone else has been in the job way less long than uh, Yamaka Kleinen. So like, he had a good run. Um, and all things come to an end. But I want to talk about like the 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 good that, that Yamaka Kalina did for this organization. And I think there's a lot of it, if I'm being if I'm being honest. There was a lot of good that he did. Um let's just start off with with one of the broad strokes. Um he's the winningest GM in Blue Jackets history. And I know that, you know, there's only been literally three general managers in the uh, in the organization ever because again he was there for so long. Um, who knows what could have been. Um, Doug McLean was the first GM, Scott Howson, who got fired halfway through the 2012-2013 season, uh, and then Yamaka Kleinen, and that's who has been here for the last 11 seasons, or part of 12 seasons, I think, if I'm if I'm doing my math correctly. Um, the Blue Jackets were, were 
not great to begin with. And then, you know, they had, I think, five playoff appearances with Kekalainen at the helm, uh, which, you know, five playoff appearances in 11 seasons doesn't sound great. But if you think about the fact that he's only half, he was only halfway through this season and he was only halfway through the first season. So really nine full seasons, I think. Uh, and he made the playoffs five times. So I'm going to go ahead and give him the credit for that. Four straight playoff appearances, um, including the, I think it was the 2016-17 season where the Blue Jackets finished fourth in the NHL, had 104 points. And because the Metropolitan Division was a nightmare, they were third in the Metro, came in as the um, the lower seed against Pittsburgh. And, you know, we all know what happened there. So I think, you know, I'm going to give him, I'm going to give him credit for, for dragging this team to the playoffs. And when you look at kind of the roster as it is now versus the roster then that, you know, that Tortorella inherited, basically, you know, um, his star players were Nick Foligno, who admittedly, I love Nick Foligno. We're not, there is no Nick Foligno hate on this podcast. Um, Brandon Dubinsky, Matt Calvert, um, David Savard. Like those were, those were the, the star players. Um, and now this. You know, so there's a, he has, I think he has genuinely, and we'll get into like his lowlights in a bit, but he has made, he has left this team better than he found it um, by a significant amount. He just spent the last kind of season and a half, I think, trying to, not trying to, but kind of accidentally undoing all of the hard work that he'd done, um, which is annoying because he did a lot of really great work, I think. Um, we'll see. I think in kind of the coming days, we'll probably see some ripple effects from this in the organization. Um, we'll see how the Blue Jackets respond because, you know, they have a new, there's always like a new coach bump, but usually when a GM gets replaced, the team slumps a little bit. Um, I'm really interested to see. I talked about this a little bit in the the bonus episode that I did yesterday morning. Um, I'll be interested to see if anything changes in kind of the coaching aspect of this. Um, and again, I, 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 someone asked me about this in the comments, and I just wanted to kind of reiterate that I don't think that he was dictating, you know, ice time, and he wasn't dictating, like, who played and who didn't, but I do wonder how much of it was Kekalainen wanted Babcock to be the coach of this team, and when he was forced to soft-fire him or, you know, force him to retire, um, or not retire, to resign is the word I want, um... I wonder how much of it was going to to Vincent and saying, listen, you need to be more of a hard ass on these players. Like that's what they need. And because we're seeing a real, a really weird disconnect between what Vincent said before getting the job and then what Vincent has done after getting the job. So I'm going to be really interested to see what happens um, in the next kind of couple of weeks, but winning his GM in, in Blue Jackets history with Kekalainen, five playoff appearances, including four straight, uh, the the first and still only series win that sweep against Tampa, where I think this it, not necessarily the sweep itself, but something that like is going to be a real mark on Kakalainen's career in a positive way is the Blue Jackets kind of snuck into the playoffs that year. You know they were fighting to get a wild card spot, and it would have been really easy for him to say, "Oh, it's not our year. We're gonna you know." see what we can get for Bobrovsky. We'll see what we get for Benarin at the deadline. Uh, no, I'm going to bet on my team. We're going to sell the immediate future farm for um, Duchesne. We're going to bring him in. We're going to bring in a couple of other pieces. And uh, it paid off. So, like, credit to Yamakak and for making a big swing that not a lot of GMs will do, um, basically, ever. 
and it led to that that sweep of Tampa, which, you know, no one was expecting. Everyone was making snide comments about how the Lightning were going to win it in three games somehow. And I think he believed in the Blue Jackets and they rewarded him for that. Um, speaking of, of players, he has had three straight trades with the Blackhawks where he absolutely fleeced them. So the first one, he got Brandon Saad, who obviously, Brandon Saad did not last very long in Columbus, for not for any of his own kind of uh, woes or anything. Like, Brandon Saad was a great player for Columbus when he was here. Um, I believe the trade going back the other way was um, Artem Anisimov, who didn't play very long for Chicago at all. Marco Dano, who ended up going to Winnipeg, I think, and then leaving the league very shortly after. Um, Brandon Saad was great for Columbus. And then a couple of years later, he managed to trade Brandon Saad back to Chicago because they missed him, I guess, uh, in return for Artemi Panarin, who is still one of the best Blue Jackets. He's ha He has the best Blue Jackets season in history, um, which, again, it's a low bar to clear, but he does own that record. He was excellent. Um, no ill will towards Panarin for not wanting to stay. I think a lot of people are mad that he walked in free agency, but, like, they really tried to keep him. I think they tried to keep him harder than any of the other players that hit free agency. Obviously, that was the same offseason that, Bob that Bobrovsky walked and went to Florida and got $10 million a season for six or eight years. I can never remember. Um, Duchesne went to Nashville and signed a big contract there. They really, really wanted to keep Panarin, and he wanted to play somewhere else. And, like, that's fine. That's not on Kekalainen for not trying hard enough to keep Panarin. I think people always kind of look at losing Panarin as kind of a black mark on Kekalainen's career, but, like, he tried real hard. Um, so that was the second time they fleeced the Blackhawks. I understand why the Blackhawks did what they did. They wanted someone with longer, uh, a long contract under team control. Brad Hart had been excellent for the Blackhawks before they were forced to trade him for cap reasons. Um... And they didn't think Panarin was going to stick around. And again, he played out the rest of his career in Columbus. He was a great Blue Jacket. And then he went on and had a great, and has had a great career in uh, in New York. The third one was a trade with the Blackhawks not involving Brandon Saad. Uh, it was the Seth Jones trade where um, the Blue Jackets traded Seth Jones, I believe a fourth round pick, uh, a sixth round, oh, sorry, a first round pick and a fourth or a sixth round pick for a first round pick a second round pick, um, and a Boquist, and another first round pick the year after that. So they flip-flopped first round picks, which um, the, that one ended up becoming um, Cole Sillinger, I believe. They got Anna Boquist for that. They flipped the second rounder to Carolina and got Jake Bean, and uh, they ended up drafting David Juracek. So they got basically four first round picks for Seth Jones. That's a really, really nice bit of work. Um, and also, I want to give credit to Seth to the first Seth Jones trade as well. And I think because a, a couple of his trades recently have kind of been a little bit iffy, I think a lot of people forget how good his trades were kind of in the in his heyday, quote unquote. Um, and that is originally it was Seth Jones for Ryan Johansson, who had been underperforming in Columbus, did not get on well with Tortorella, did not fit into Tortorella's systems. So the Jackets needed a legitimate number one defenseman. Um, they got Seth Jones. And again, for his time in Columbus, he was great. He was excellent. Um, obviously, didn't want to sign long-term, wanted out. And they were like, yep, cool. You can go to Chicago and play with your brother. And uh, we'll just fleece the, G the GM of the Blackhawks for the third time in like five seasons. It was great. 
Um, I want to keep talking about Yamaka Lions highlights for a little bit. Um, there's a couple more trades that I want to look at, and then a free agent signing, and also his drafting history as a whole. So that's what we're going to talk about next here on Locked On Blue Jackets. First, I'm going to tell you guys about eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience is what brings home the winning trophy. It's also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you are into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. They've got over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, and you're always going to find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every single time, or you're going to get your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're going to burn rubber, not cash. They've got all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive. eBayMotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. eBay Guaranteed Fit is only available to U.S. customers. Welcome back to Locked on Blue Jackets. We are just going to finish up talking about Yamaka Kalainen's uh, career highlights. Uh, in Columbus because there are a fair amount of them and honestly it's taking a little bit longer to get through them than I thought so maybe we'll do highlights today we'll do lowlights tomorrow let's uh let's we'll figure it out we'll see where we go um I want to finish talking about his trades because um we talked a little bit about the Tampa Bay um the 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 yeah the Tampa Bay sweep and how he bet hard on his team to make the playoffs and they did um not so, only a couple of seasons later, I believe the 2021 season, um, they ended up trading two expiring UFAs. They traded a handful of, of guys that uh, that offseason, but these are the, these are the two, oh, not the offseason, the, uh, the trade deadline. These are the two big ones. Nick Foligno went to Toronto. Um, I believe they retained a little bit of salary, um, but they got a first-round pick in return for Nick Foligno. They also got a first-round pick for David Savard. Now, that is just truly excellent asset management two players that were not going to resign in columbus probably two players that wanted to go and win a cup um you know obviously felino was felino probably would have resigned i think but they, they wanted to do right by him they said hey do you want to go in a cup and he said yeah if you don't mind send him to toronto unfortunately um and he was never going to win a cup there but you know, they got two first-round picks back. And again, those first-round picks turned into um, Cole Sillinger and Corson Kuhlemans. Now, Corson Kuhlemans is still kind of a question mark. He's a prospect that I'm really interested in. I think Cole Sillinger has really kind of come into his own. Obviously, that was part of the Seth Jones trade. Um, I believe the original pick that belonged to Tampa Bay was um, Nolan Allen, I believe. The, the Blackhawks ended up drafting at that position. So... They did, again, just some very, very tidy business. And again, knowing that the team was not going to make the playoffs, selling off the pieces and getting, I, th I think, setting the expectations. For me, anyway, like, that's what I expect every time they trade a player at the deadline now. I'm like, man, if David Savard got a first-round pick, then Jack Rostovic should get a first-round pick. And admittedly, Felino and Savard were both pieces that, like, other, like, GMs love defensive defensemen that block shots, and they love heart and soul guys like Felino that maybe can't skate very well, but damn it, they try. So, you know, they were, they were, the price was high on those guys anyway, but I'm looking at who's going to be moving in this upcoming trade deadline, and I'm like, mm, they're probably not going to get a first round pick, but they might, who knows? Um, 
he has some quest- small questionable trades kind of more recently, um, and we're going to talk about them in, in a little bit. But I wanted to kind of finish off the, the highlights with uh, two things. One, signing Johnny Gaudreau, I think, changed the face of this franchise in a way that I think even with the team underperforming last season, underperforming this season, you know, it's not what I think Johnny Gaudreau expected. It's not what anyone in the organization expected. But landing a big free agent like that, I think, put Columbus on the map as well, if Johnny Gaudreau wanted to go there, maybe I want to go there, you know, and we haven't really seen the the repercussions of that yet. But if he doesn't sign Johnny Gaudreau, then this team is probably even worse than they are right now. And this team is pretty darn bad right now. So this is going to seem a bit kind of, what's the word I want? Um, not argumentative, but like, it's going to seem a bit backwards. I don't mind the Johnny Gaudreau free agent signing. I know that there was a lot of talk about um, a lot of talk about a lot of talk about. Um, oh, he's trying to fast forward the rebuild. Why did he do that? He should have saved his money and been able to keep Oliver Bjorkstrand. Blah 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 blah. Um, I don't mind the Johnny Gaudreau signing. I think because people expected the team last year to be better than they were you know they were decimated by injury and and just everything that could have gone wrong did go wrong last year i think this year there was way less expectations i expected the team to be better than they than they are but i wasn't expecting them to make the playoffs the way that i was expecting that last season you know um so i'm okay with that i am less okay with you know trading futures away to try and fast forward with this rebuild because that's kind of what it felt like with Gaudreau, was he was like, okay, let's get a jump on this rebuild. Let's take a step forward, even if that's a, a season forward or two seasons forward or whatever. They didn't. It didn't cost them anything. It didn't cost them all of Bjorkstrand, I guess, but that's uh, that's something we'll talk about in, in a little bit. The, the Johnny Gaudreau signing is fine, because he didn't give anything up initially for that. Um and it was a step forward in a way that made sense because they thought the team was going to keep taking steps forward. In the offseason, they traded, what, a first-round pick and some some other futures to Philadelphia, got Ivan Provorov, who, again, I think a lot of people kind of conflate these two moves as well. You didn't have a problem with Gaudreau. Why do you have a problem with Provorov? And I'm like, I don't necessarily have a problem with Provorov. But it didn't make sense to do Provrov and then to also trade for Severson, sign him for eight seasons when you already have a logjam of defensemen that have, you know, they've spent all season trying to trade them and they haven't been able to. So, like, I don't want to get into the, the Provrov and the Severson trades right now because we're still kind of talking about the highlights. But this is why Johnny Gaudreau is a highlight to me because it's a different situation than the Provrov and the Severson um, trades. I want to finish off talking about uh, his career with drafting and he's had some misses but he's had way way more hits so uh let's let's go ahead and talk about that in just a second here on locked on blue jackets our sponsor today is camino consulting how would you like to get to know someone better in an hour than you would in a year understanding one another better prevents small misunderstandings from becoming big ongoing fights after providing more than 20 years of service to small and mid-sized businesses, helping management groups navigate conflicts and onboarding new employees, Camino is offering a digital seminar for families and couples. Did your Valentine's gift of tickets to the game not go over as well as you'd hoped? Get the Couples and Family Online seminar for 25% off the month of February 
using the discount code Locked On. Once again, that is discount code L O C K E D O N for 25% off for the rest of the month at CaminoConsulting.ca or mention Locked On when reaching out for a business seminar and receive the first five profiles free. Once again, that is discount code Locked On at CaminoConsulting.ca. So I want to finish off by talking about um, Kakalainen's draft history, because I think this is where he has really shone as a GM. And there's been a couple of misses, you know, I think um, Kirby Reichel is is a notable one. I think um, Marco Dano is another one. I think uh, people love to poop all over Sonny Milano. I think he was the one that I think could have been a little bit better. Liam Foody obviously didn't pan out. Um, I don't think we can blame him for Pierre-Luc Dubois necessarily, although looking back, it would have been great if they'd swung on um, Matthew Kachuk instead. But then you kind of, you look at guys like Igor Chinikov, who no one had heard of, was an overager um, that not even the experts knew. And he's turned into a really, really good, promising player. You know, I think everyone was kind of surprised by Kent Johnson being picked uh, the fifth overall. Uh, I think... David Juracek was a slam dunk pick. I like Denton Matejchuk as a pick a lot. Adam Fantilli kind of fell into his lap, but I'm going to go ahead and uh, and count that anyway. Um, it's it's been a good it's been a good lot of um, of drafting recently, and that's not even getting into like the um, the other guy, like the depth guys, I would say, like getting Luca Pinelli in the fourth round, getting Stanislav Svozil in the second round, uh, Gavin Brindley in the second round. Um, sorry, Svozil was a, a third round pick. Um, Sergei Ivanov in the fifth round, he's looking like he's going to turn into a really great goalie. Um, James Malatesta, fifth round. Um, Luca Del Bell Belouz, second round. Like I could keep going on and on and on. Like Dmitry Vronkov, fourth round pick. Um, Kromachenko, second round pick. Trey Fuxolansky, seventh round pick. Um, you know, it's there's just been a lot of really, really sneakily great drafting. And obviously, a lot of these guys are so new that it's hard to really kind of say whether they were great draft picks or not. But the early returns on a lot of these players are looking really, really great. And I think that's what the Blue Jackets are going to miss more than more than anything else that Kakalainen does. I think they're going to miss the... Um, they're going to miss the drafting because that was really, really where his strength lay as a GM. Part of that is he built an excellent drafting department. I think Vili Siren had done an excellent job as the European head of scouting. Um, I think we'll see, obviously, in the offseason whether there's significant turnover, whether Yamaka Klein goes somewhere else, whether he takes staff with him, who knows. But that's what I think is going to be really interesting is not necessarily the trades that are going to happen, not necessarily the contracts. Gonna, that are going to happen. Um, obviously, there's a lot of RFAs that need to be given a significant amount of money. Uh, Kent Johnson is up. Carl Selinger is up. Yugochinikov is up. Like, all of these guys need paying. Um, but I think more interesting than that is going to be what happens at the draft this summer. Blue Jackets are probably going to be drafting in the top five, maybe in the top three, if things continue to go south. Um, which, there's some great players there. It's going to be hard to miss if you're drafting in the top three to five players. Um, but after that, that's what I'm gonna be looking at is okay, they get a second first round pick. Who are they gonna who are they gonna target with that? Who are they targeting in the early second round in that kind of that 34 to 36 range, you know, the Gavin Brindley range, for example. What's what's the draft gonna look like? 
Uh, and I think without Kekalainen, I think the draft looks weaker, honestly. Because um, I think that was genuinely his biggest. I've said this, you know, about 17 times in this segment. But I do genuinely think that his drafting was his biggest strength. And that's what this team is going to miss. Um, because ultimately, I think Yawa Kekalainen, he left the team better than he found it. Admittedly, the team that he inherited in 2013 was miserable. Like I said, you know, his his star players were Brandon Dabinsky, who'd just come over from New York, and, like, 17-year-old Cam Atkinson, or however old he was. You know, like, in the 2013-2014 roster was just god-awful. Like, I'm looking at it now. Um, their leading scorer was Ryan Johansson with 63 points. Second place, James Wisniewski. Third place, Brandon Dabinsky, um, Cam Atkinson, Adminisimov, Nick Foligno, RJ Amberger, Mark Letestu. Like, these are the names that are um, that he was working with, you know. So he inherited a truly terrible team. And you look at that roster versus the roster that he's put together now. And the submissives in this roster, you know, I think we can argue all day about whether Provrab is a good player or a bad player on this team. We can argue about Muslikin. We can argue about... Um, the usefulness of Erica Branson, like Mathieu Olivier. Um, but you look at the pieces that he's added, you look at, you know, Johnny Gaudreau, um, you look at the young players, Fantilli, Johnson, Sillinger, Vronkov, Marchenko, Chinakov, um, Boquist, Bean, who's having quite a good season, uh, you know, Borensky, who was a, a Kekalainen draft pick. Uh, and he's he did a pretty good job building this team. And I do think his fatal flaw was impatience, was, I don't know whether it was pressure from above or whether it was impatience of his own sort or what, but it really did feel like he could have maybe kept his job a little bit longer had he not been a little bit too impatient, made a few too many moves too soon. And again, the team is kind of in the same place it was two seasons ago. And in trying to speed up the rebuild, what he's done is actually kind of press pause on it. So now they've got to start it all over. Not start all over again because they've picked up a lot of really great pieces. But in the 2021 draft, which was, or the 2022 draft, excuse me, the Johnson, um, the, the Johnson Sillinger Kuhlman's draft, it feels like the team is right back there in terms of how long it's going to be before they start contending. My webcam fell over. It's fine. And it's tough to put that on Kekalainen, but ultimately, like, that's that's what I'm doing, is I'm putting the impatience, like, it's impatience. That's what it was. Whether it was, he felt like his job was in danger, he rushed it to try, he rushed to try and save it, obviously didn't work out. Um, and now we'll, we'll never know what would have happened if he hadn't made these moves. Would the team have still been bad? Probably. But it would probably have been in slightly better shape than it is right now. I didn't get to any of his lowlights, um, so I guess that's going to be tomorrow's episode. Um, again, I wanted to do a preview of, of the Sharks game, but hey, we're going to just keep talking about Yama Kekalainen. Um, You know, I want to talk about the Elvis Mosleykins contract. I want to talk about the hiring of Mike Babcock. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about the uh, impatience, his refusal to rebuild. I want to talk about some other trades, uh, some other hirings, things like that. That's going to be tomorrow's episode of Logged on Blue Jacket. Thank you for listening to today's episode, making it your first listen of the day every single day. Locked on Blue Jackets is free and available on all podcast platforms. We are on YouTube and we are on Sirius XM. Um, uh, thank you for listening. Once again, 
Uh, I've been Jay Foster. You can find me on Twitter at underscore Jacob Foster, J-A-K-O-B-F-O-R-S-T-E-R. You can find the show at L-O underscore Blue Jacket. If you have comments, questions, criticisms, email me at lockedonbluejackets at gmail.com. And until tomorrow, make sure you stay locked on.